one normally does things like put the mic on off stage. Um, but I discovered last time that the combination of wearing glasses, wearing a mask, and wearing a headset was a bit of a disaster. So um, decided not to try and do those three things at once. Uh, good morning to you all. And uh, yep, that was the right response. Well done. Um, I, I feel like I want to start by saying it's good to be back because um, some of you will know we've spent quite a bit of time uh, away over the last few months, uh, various family matters. Um, Catherine, you'll be pleased to know, is now safely moved and settled into Coventry, uh, where she's got a job, and um, she's, she's just started that. She's settling into that, and, and things are going well. She's got a little flat down there, so, uh, so she's moved on. We've also had a weekend away um, having a wedding celebration for my other daughter. And they actually got married last year during the pandemic, um, but of course it was restricted numbers. Um, so a few weeks ago we were able to have a family celebration, which is nice. Um, but it does mean that between those two events and other things, um, we've, we seem to have spent most of the last two or three months traveling up and down between here and the Midlands. So it's, it's nice to be here this morning, nice to be back, and it's nice to be taking part in this series where we've been going through the absolutely amazing prophecy that many hundreds of years before Christ, the prophet Isaiah had when he saw the kind of names that were going to be given to the child that would be born to us. And we've been going through those, haven't we, over the, the, uh, the last few weeks. Let's just, just read again that, that one verse from Isaiah chapter 9, uh, which says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What an amazing thing that many hundreds of years before this child was born, God gave Isaiah some insight into some of the things that this child would become. And today, our topic is the Prince of Peace, which I hope is good news for you because... Um, we, we all need a bit of peace, don't we? Certainly in the current uh, climate. I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of church billboards. Um, you know the um, outside a lot of church buildings, you see these, these big billboards, and, and they often contain corny slogans that somebody thought were funny. Um, and most of them, when I read them, I'm sorry, but I don't. You know the kind of thing, you see CH and then a gap and then CH underneath it says what's missing, you are. And I just think, you know, does, does anybody, is anybody attracted to church because of that? Who knows, I don't know. Um, so I'm not a big fan of, of church billboards generally, but I remember one seeing a church billboard that really impressed me. I was working in London um, and I was uh, staying um, just a, 
three or four miles out of central London, uh, just near one of the train lines. And I used to commute, along with many thousands of others, of course, um, by train into central London every day and back again to where I'm staying. And the, um, the train track at that particular time going into, I think it was London Bridge, it kind of goes at roof level. So it's raised up on one of those viaducty type things with the little arches underneath that you see on crime shows. Crime shows seem to love the little arches, don't they? Yeah, they, there's, always, there's always a dodgy workshop in one of those little arches that's part of the, the crime programs. But anyway, so we were, th there you go, you're, you're traveling into London, packed commuter trains, um, quarter an hour late, of course, they always are, aren't they? And you're going, and all you can see is rooftops. All you can see is rooftops. And one enterprising church put a billboard on top of their church building so that as you commuters go past, it's right there. And on this billboard was just simply four words. No peace without Christ. And, do you know, the first time I saw that, I almost laughed out loud because I thought, what a brilliant way to use a billboard. None of your corny jokes, just a very, very clear message. No peace without Christ. I wonder what you think of when you think of the word peace. Do you think of absence of conflict? Do you think of those times when you've had some really, you know, a busy few days and you, you come home and the busyness is over and you can just sit down and, ah, peace. Who knows? We, um, we're about to experience a different sort of flavor of that, of course, as I've just said. Um, Catherine's now moved south, so Becky and I, just on our own, and we have a kind of peace in the house that wasn't there beforehand. Don't tell Catherine I said so. Um, but the idea of peace in the Bible is, well, I was going to say it's different. It's richer than that. It's a bigger idea. God guided the Jewish people to understand peace more holistically. And I'm sure you're aware the Jewish word for peace, shalom, has this idea of wholeness, well-being, completeness. And when they use, when the Jewish people use shalom as a greeting to one another, that's what they're, that's what they're wishing, not just wishing for a bit of peace and quiet. So even today, um, you know, Jew, one Jewish person meets another, they will say shalom aleichem, which means peace to you. And the other would respond aleichem, shalom, to you also be peace. And by the time Jesus arrives, this is the concept of peace that God by his spirit has coached the Jewish people to understand. Completeness, wholeness, well-being. And of course, in contrast, the Bible is quite clear. There is no peace for the wicked, it says in Isaiah chapter 48. Just as my billboard said, no peace without Christ. So let's have a bit of a look at peace together this morning. But let's also remember, it's one thing to look at the peace. It's a better thing still to look at the prince. And we're going to do a little bit of both this morning. So what do we mean by peace? Well, firstly, and perhaps most importantly, Jesus came to bring us peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, Paul says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus brings peace to us that could not have been brought any other way. We were alienated from God because of our sin, because of our human condition. And the only way to restore peace and harmony in our most important relationship, our relationship with God himself, was through what Jesus would come to achieve. So we can say we have been justified through faith and through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Isn't that wonderful? And maybe even this morning, for somebody here, that might be the key point. I'm going to make a few more, if you don't mind, but that one may be the key point for you this morning. You may feel, I haven't got peace with God. The offer to you this morning, and we'll be praying later, is that you can receive peace this morning because of what Jesus did. Peace can also mean just kind of inner peace, can't it? Most precious thing. Much needed in our time. Never heard so many references in the media and everything to mental health, to just that sense of, of unease. And of course, mental health issues can have many causes. But there's a definite spiritual element to some of the mental health crisis that we are living in at the moment. But the Bible promises us, this is in Isaiah chapter 26, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And again in the New Testament, Paul, writing to some of the Christians in Philippi, says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice that he says it will guard your heart, how you feel, and your mind, how and what you think. The peace of God. It comes from God. It's given to us for our inner peace. There's peace with one another. Bible's promising a lot here. I'm trying to build a big picture so that you get the idea that the Prince of Peace, when he came, came to bring a lot to us, came to bring peace with God, came to bring inner peace, came to bring peace with one another. This is another thing that Paul says. Let the peace, this is from the letters of Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And he's writing to the group. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. And he goes on to instruct them and talk about how the message of Christ can dwell among them richly. They can encourage one another. They can teach one another. They can sing songs to one another. Even if they do have to wear a mask to do it, they can sing songs to one another. Songs from the Spirit, singing with gratitude in their hearts. But it's the peace of Christ that rules over the relationships, the fellowship within the church. Peace within the family of God. And of course especially at this time of year with Christmas coming up, we think about peace among the nations. And within the book of Isaiah that, the, uh, that, that our reading comes from today, 
It's a key theme. It's part of the vision that God gives Isaiah for the time to come, what we would call the end times. In the last days, he says, the mountains of the house of the Lord will be established as chief among the mountains. And the promise is that the Lord from there will judge the nations, but also that the nations will beat their swords into plowshares, which obviously is old-fashioned speak for weapons will be cast aside. And the material that used to be used for those weapons will be used for peaceful and productive things. One nation will no longer lift up their sword against another nation. Nation will speak peace. One nation will speak peace to the other. Peace will flow like a river, he goes on to say. And there are, there are images of peace. The lion will lie down with the lamb. Often think about that. So it's a great picture, isn't it? It's a bit poetic. Um, I think it was Woody Allen that quipped that that will probably happen, but he's not sure whether the lamb will get much sleep. But um, maybe things will be different then. So that is the piece. Just a very, very simple overview of the extent of the peace that the Bible promises to us. And you know, friends, this morning, I don't want to... I don't want to skimp on any of those promises. Do you? Yeah? God's, God wants to bring all of those. But of course, we need to think about the Prince of Peace. And all of those prophecies from Isaiah and, and elsewhere reach a pinnacle when Jesus was born. I love, I love the, the various references in, uh, in, in carols that we sing at this time of year to peace. And I'm sure as you read through the Christmas story, I hope, you, I hope you're going to do that over the next few weeks, um, you'll come across references to peace being a promise of the coming of the Christ child. It's like, it's part of the, if you like, the, the crescendo, the build-up um, of promise that comes through the Christmas story. Just listen to what was said when uh, John the Baptist was born. There's quite a few verses here. I'll just read them through. And you... My child, this is John the Baptist's father talking to John the Baptist. You will go on before the Lord, that's Jesus, to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun comes to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the path of peace. Isn't that a beautiful set of verses there? Beautiful prophecy. To guide our feet into the path of peace. And of course, when the angels came and sang to the shepherds, what do they sing? Glory to God in the highest. And on the earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The promise that is embedded in the whole of the Christmas story that peace will come to all the earth. And it comes through Jesus. You know, Jesus epitomizes peace, doesn't he? Just think about all of the things that you... Well, don't think about them all. Listen to me. <laughs> but think about some of the things you know about Jesus during his life, during his ministry. Think about the calming of the storm that we read about in Luke chapter 8. 
Um, you, you, you know the scene, I'm sure. Jesus had a busy day, disciples, they need to cross the lake. So they get into a boat, and as they get out in the storm, uh, sorry, as they get out onto the lake, things start to get a bit choppy. The weather gets bad, and the storm is suddenly upon them. And uh, there's Jesus just asleep in the back of the boat. Disciples get all panicky, start to row furiously, start to bail water out of the boat. And eventually somebody says, I think we should wake the Lord. So they do. Of course, by this time, they're a bit agitated. Don't you care, Lord, that we're drowning? So Jesus just gets up and says to the storm, peace, be still. And it was. Amazing. And the, the bit that always gets me is, he then turns around to the disciples and says, you, you didn't have much faith, did you? Where was your faith? None, none of this kind of, there, there, it's all right now. It's, where was your faith? Hmm, that's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? But Jesus was in command. And they were awed by it. It says at the, at the end, they said to themselves, who, who is this? that even the winds and the waves obey him. But Jesus was always in command in any situation that he was in. Even the direst situations, Jesus was in complete control. He had an inner peace. He exuded it. He modeled it for us. He presented it to us. Um, you may remember a few weeks ago, uh, the last time I spoke here, I, my topic was the um, was Barabbas. And as part of the preparation for that, I was looking again in depth at the whole of the trial scene. And even in that most um, intense of experiences for Jesus the man, when you read the, when you read the story carefully, it's Jesus who is in complete command. Everybody else is swayed by something or other. The crowds are getting agitated. The, um, the, the Jewish authorities are, are desperate to get this matter resolved and they're, and they're plotting and they're, you know, they're, they're manipulating the situation. Even Pilate. I mean, Pontius Pilate was the most powerful man in, in the land at that time. He was the Roman governor. He had armies at his command. He had the full backing of the force of Rome right up to Caesar himself. And yet even Pilate is flustered and doesn't quite know how to handle this situation. And in the middle of it, you have Jesus. And he even says to Pilate, doesn't he? Actually, you don't take my life from me. I'm laying it down. I'm in control. And there's a lovely little bit in one of the old versions you know there's a point in the story where uh, Pilate brings Jesus out, stands him before the crowd. Happens several times it, it, over, the, you know, over the episode. And at one point, he just brings him out and says, it says in our modern versions, it says, here, here he is, or something like that. But in one of the older versions, it says, behold the man. Behold, comma, the man. Here is the pinnacle of humanity standing before you. 
the only one in this dreadful scene who is in complete command, complete peace. That's my Lord, that's Jesus. But you know, he was more than just peaceful in himself. He was the giver of peace. To many who he healed, he said, go in peace. Your faith has saved you or your faith has healed you. So you think about the, the woman who pushed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment just in order to get healing. He would turn around and say, peace to you. To the man on the stretcher. To the woman who with tears and a, and a big jar of perfume, crashed the party and wiped his feet. Do you remember that story? Go in peace. More significantly, he gives peace to his disciples. One of his, one of his final acts is recorded in the Gospel of John. Um, goes like this. This is from John 20, verses 19 to 21. On the evening of that first day of the week, so this is after the resurrection, when the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hand and sighed. And the disciples were just overjoyed. And he said again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the giver of peace. Somehow, being with him, being in his presence, brought peace to others. And you know what, folks? It still does. Now then, I wonder how many people here, stick your hand up if you've seen the movie Ben-Hur. It's often, often, often on at Christmas, isn't it? Okay, keep your hand up if you watch it all the way through. Uh, impressive if you have it's about three hours long I think, I think I've seen every particular scene of Ben-Hur but I guarantee you I've not seen them all at once it was always on at Christmas when I was a kid and you'd, you'd switch it on and you know, you'd either see the, the bit where they're rowing or the chariot race or whatever um, and I mean I, I don't know whether I'll ever watch it all the way through in one sitting because it's... I, the movies were a bit slower paced in those days, wasn't it? Was it, meant, was it done in, what, 40s, 50s, something like that? Charlton Heston looking all kind of anxious. The story of Ben-Hur is, is one of a Jewish prince who is so angry at Roman rule and Roman occupation, as many were. Again, we've, uh, we've, we've talked about that before. And he goes through a series of, of, of life experiences that are, you know, um, that are really hard to cope with, hard to take for somebody who basically is from a, a kind of royal family within the Jewish setup. But the people that wrote Ben-Hur knew their gospel because the climax of the, uh, of the film has this most amazing scene where firstly Ben-Hur is one of the crowd that witnesses the crucifixion. And um, it's done in typical Hollywood style. I'm sure there wasn't an orchestra playing stirring music when Jesus was crucified, but you, know, you see the crucifixion, 
You see the onlookers looking on, not sure what to make of it. You hear the stirring music. But then Ben-Hur goes home and is talking to, I think it's his sister. And he's reliving the experience of being there at the crucifixion. And he says, I heard him say, Father, forgive them. And I felt his voice take the sword out of my hand. Witnessing the crucifixion brought peace to Ben-Hur. It took the sword, it took the anger out of his hand. The peace of Jesus can do that for you this morning. Are you angry? Are you frustrated? The Prince of Peace. Do you know what? I... I have this, this, this desire that we get back to understanding what we mean when we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. See, I wonder if in our culture the word prince has become a bit of a loaded term. Princes that we know about are not perfect, are they? Even the better ones, and I'm not wanting to be political here um, in, in any way, shape or form. But earthly princes let us down, don't they? They're perfect. Princes, rulers, government, people, maybe many of them trying to do, do their best that they can. And yet time after time, we look at news reports of, of princes, of governments, and we just feel so let down disappointed, don't we? Well, I do. don't know about anybody else. Um, you know, you, you read some of, the, some of what, we've, what we've witnessed this week on the news. Shocking. But we mustn't let that color our view of the one prince who is perfect, the Prince of Peace. I even think we need to recover the kind of romance of the prince that most of us would have experienced in childhood. It's not for nothing that, yeah, I think sometimes God's in things that we go through. And the, the idea that we, we grow up with fairy stories, and they're just stories, but they allow us to believe that the prince can be a hero. They allow us to think the prince can be the one that comes in to save the day. They allow us to have a big view, a righteous view, if you like, of princedom. Well, that's my Jesus. He's the prince of peace, and he is the one entitled to say, I am the prince of peace. So are you prepared to take that view of him this morning? Are you prepared to receive that into your hearts? You can trust him. He will never let you down. One more thing I want to give, I want to bring you to, and that's we need to think about the community of peace because that is who we are. That is who we are. We're not just called to admire from afar, although we are called to do that. We're not just called to take his peace into our own lives, although we are. We're also called to be a community of peace. 
This marvelous section in, uh, in Paul's letter to Ephesians where he says, he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And he's talking about the relationship between the Jewish people and what the Jews would have called the Gentiles. In the words, Jews and everybody else. And that was a big them and us. But Jesus destroyed the barrier between the two, the dividing wall. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. That was his, that was his job description, if you like, to preach peace to both those who were close to God and those who were far from God to bring all together into one big family. Peace. But even that isn't the end of the story, folks. Because we're not just simply meant to enjoy our peace within these four walls. There's a, a thread of peace throughout the, old, throughout the whole of the Bible, which is around peace going out from the people of God into the world around. Think of uh, Psalm 122, which is when the people, the people of God were, were, were sort of safely and, and, and peacefully um, living in the land. And in Psalm 122, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray that there will be peace in the city or the, the towns. But then when the Jewish people were taken to exile, the prophet Jeremiah said from God, pray for the peace and prosperity of the city I'm taking you to. Now there's a surprise. There they were, temple ransacked, um, all sorts of abominable, abominable things happening back in Jerusalem, city destroyed, being carried off to Babylon of all places. And God says to them, pray for its peace and prosperity. Because in its peace and prosperity, you also will find peace. An amazing thing to ask them to do. Some of them, it would be 70 years before they would go back to Jerusalem. Some of them would die in captivity. But God says, pray for the peace. The same theme occurs in the New Testament when Jesus sends his disciples out. He says, go into the cities and the towns. Find somewhere to stay. And then it says this, let your peace rest upon it. Let your peace rest upon it. We can take the peace of God into our town. We're not just meant to experience it for ourselves. We're meant to take it out. And you know, brothers and sisters, we, we do that, don't we? We do it through our, our witness in the community. We do it through our living in the community, our lives. 
We do it through church ministries like the food bank. But I just want to encourage you to even, even now be thinking ahead to 2022. How can we bring peace to the town of Darlington? How can we do it better? How can we do it more? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the city that you live in. Blessed are the peacemakers. What an amazing thing to know the Prince of Peace. What an amazing thing to think that the peace of God is so all-encompassing. And what an amazing thing that we can be the bringers of peace to others. Not our peace, but we can bring his peace to others. Do you know people who are struggling at the moment? I bet you do. I do. Friends, family, maybe others within the church. It's a difficult time. Let's not be, you know, we're not being unreal. But you can pray for the peace for them, for those around you. And see wonderful things happen, I believe, as we, as we share that. I'm going to ask the band to, uh, to come up because I think it would be good for us to have a little time of response. I just, I just want to tell you one... Um, I, I just feel to go back to uh, um, something I said a, a while ago about having our peace, having God's peace within us. Um, God can give peace in the most extraordinary circumstances. Uh, as part of the prep for this, I, I, I was looking again at the story of a lady called Corrie Ten Boom, who lived in the middle of the 20th century, a Dutch lady, and she was caught up in the horrors of the Second World War. She and her, some of her family were taken captive and taken to one of the Nazi concentration camps. But she and her sister experienced the most amazing peace in the middle even of that horrendous, unimaginable situation. I also... Um, heard the testimony this week of somebody who Christian minister and was going through a really difficult time when everything felt like a battle anybody identify with that everything felt hard everything felt difficult there were practical problems and there were spiritual obstacles and everything felt like a battle and one night God gave him a dream and in this dream he could see himself wrestling with two monster-like creatures. Wrestling away, trying to get the better of them. And something in him, in his dream, said, look up. And as he looked up, he saw towering over the situation the figure of Jesus. And Jesus was just smiling at him. He wasn't saying, go on, and get, get stuck into the battle. Jesus was just smiling. Gave him the thumbs up. Everything's fine. 
And here he is wrestling with these obstacles, these, I guess, spiritual forces. And uh, Jesus is just there grinning at him. It's all all right. Peace. I'm in charge. Peace. I'm in control. Peace. The battle is already won. Peace. I've made the way for you to experience my goodness. Peace. I love you. So does God. Says Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? So what I'd like you to do as we start to come towards a close this morning, search your heart. Do you know the Prince of Peace? And I wonder if you feel like this morning that even if you do know him, you've maybe allowed circumstances to rob you of his peace in your life. Maybe you just could do with a, just a, a whole dollop of peace and grace in your life right now. If that's you, we're going to pray. I'd like you to stand if you would like some more of the peace of God. Maybe you want that peace for somebody else. Maybe you've got on your heart somebody who's deeply troubled. And you just want to pray, Jesus, may your peace come upon my friend, my neighbor, my work colleague. If that's you, I'd like you to stand as well. And if you just want to be a bringer of peace, if you want this church to be a living and active bringer of peace into Darlington perhaps you would like to stand as well and then let's pray together so if any of those apply to you would you stand now if you can do so thank you for that image of you towering over it all. Thank you, Lord, that you are always in a place of peace because you are the Prince of Peace. But thank you, Lord, that you don't keep it to yourself. And Lord, I just pray by your Spirit right now, Lord, in this room amongst us. Lord, will you bring peace? Lord, bring peace to troubled hearts, Lord. Bring peace to the stressed. Bring peace to our confusion, Lord. Lord, we give to you our anxieties, our worries, our concerns, our situations, our circumstances. Lord, we bring to you loved ones, friends, colleagues. We bring to you the town of Darlington. 
to you, the Prince of Peace, Lord, we say, will you rule? Will your peace reign over us and over all the situations that we, we, we care about? And friends, if any of you are standing up because you want that peace for the first time, then I'm just going to give you a, a, a prayer to pray in your heart. And it goes like this. Father God, I want the peace that only comes through Christ. Father God, I turn to you. Father God, I ask you to take my sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father God, I want to receive your forgiveness right now. Lord, fill me with your peace. And you know, if you've prayed that prayer this morning, come and see one of us afterwards. And there'll be things that we may need to just chat through. But it's a wonderful moment when you pray that prayer.